In Luke chapter 2, we begin reading in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried off, found Mary, Joseph, and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Let's pray. Father, as we... Open our hearts and our minds and your word. We know that we need you to do your part as well. Holy Spirit, take the sword of your word and pierce through to operate in us your good, perfect, pleasing will, even as it deals with our theme of peace today. So, Lord, move as only you can. Help me to speak your words, but more than that, Holy Spirit, help us not just to hear, but to heed your words today. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. The Christmas story is that it was just read. Christmas story that's just read is not only familiar, but it's one of the favorites that people look forward to hearing every year and experiencing the good, warm feelings of Christmas time. One of the messages of the season, even among the unreligious that they kind of gravitate towards, is, is seen in an old familiar carol uh, or poem, if you will, of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, one of America's great poets. So perhaps you've heard this or thought read uh, heard it or maybe even uh, read it. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime. Of peace on earth, goodwill to men. This, in many ways, was the message of the angels. We read, uh, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. This verse has birthed wishes for peace on earth. There's been Christmas cards. I got a, a decoration here, that, and some of you might have decorations. You know, they say, peace on earth. You see it all over the place, even to uh, songs, and not just Christian songs, so to speak, or church songs, but uh, those that are singing about it, even to what do you want for Christmas, and you hear someone, oh, I want world peace. It seems like to many, 
This was not only the message of the angels, but the reason that Christmas happened was that Jesus came was to bring peace on earth and goodwill for everyone. But was Christmas really about peace on earth? Since it seems to be missing in a lot of places, not only in a worldwide scale, but in our individual lives. This morning, what we need to do is to grasp how to get that peace. If this is about peace, how do we grasp that peace? And let's just begin on a worldwide scale with the first point this morning. International peace will only be brought through the rule of the Prince of Peace. This is what it comes down to. It will only be brought through the rule of the Prince of Peace. Uh, The traditional message of peace on on earth and goodwill towards all people. Sounds like a nice holiday sentiment to a lot of people, and yet for many it's an epic fail. They say Jesus did not bring peace when he came. Even when you look for peace across the world, and you don't even go to the world to look for peace. How about just going to the Middle East where Jesus was born? Is there peace on earth even there? Look what's happening within our own country throughout this year. We cannot see how there is peace on earth. So where is the promised peace? You know, we could look back to one of the toughest times in our history in America. We may think this is tough, but one of the toughest times in American history goes back to the Civil War. At least when we're talking about peace. Peace during that time. And it just so happens that Henry Wadsworth Longfellow lived during that time. The, the one who I said wrote this, that poem. In fact, his son Charlie fought and was badly wounded in battle. And Henry was nursing his son back to health. And he expressed those thoughts in that familiar poem, that familiar carol, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, that I just began to read. That carol that was written on December 25th on Christmas, 1863. There's more to it than what I read just a few minutes ago. In fact, let's look at some more of that poem. Then from each blank accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south. And with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. That is the way many still feel today. Yet there is this wish, not just a wish, a belief that the world should have no problems. That what we need today is peace on earth with everyone just getting along with no fighting. We think that surely that's the message of Christmas. That's what some would say why Jesus came to bring. But could we be missing the point just a little bit on this? Could we be reading into Christmas our wishes and ignoring God's will? We may think that world peace should have happened when Jesus first came. But Jesus himself tells us that the very opposite of that was to happen 
in the future, even beyond when Jesus was here on this earth. In Matthew chapter 24, and you will hear, Jesus is saying, and you will hear, this has not happened yet, but this will happen even after he leaves this earth. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must, not, this must take place. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and all of these are but the beginning of birth pains, the birth pains of the end times. So have we gotten this wrong, or how have we gotten this wrong? What, what is going on? Not reading the full meaning of what is really meant at that time. Jesus, peace, yes, but not world and Yet he's saying there's going to be wars and this is what we think. Maybe part of it is just looking back at Luke chapter 2 and looking more closely at it in a couple of different ones, whether it be the NIV and the ESV that are up here on the screen. Luke 2, verses 13 and 14. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Or a different way... And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Do you see the detail that's often missing? Do you see the detail that's often missing in these declarations of peace on earth, goodwill to men? As it deals with pronouncing peace and goodwill it's directed upon those on whom God's favor rests. Those who are people of God's good pleasure. Now let's be real about this though. You say, okay, it is about those God's favor rests. It's about God's people. But are they experiencing peace in this earth? And there are a number of answers to that. And first off, let's just think about what we talked about last week with hope. Hope came to, that, came to the world... When Jesus came, but hope did not finish its work yet. Hope began and it was something that was to grow. And so too, peace came, but peace is yet to finish its full work coming to fruition. And it will not come. That peace on earth will not come until the whole Christmas truth is fulfilled. Who was born Christmas morning? We say Jesus. Jesus, who is the Savior, that, that's what his name means, that he saves. But what else is his name? We read in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, He is the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So while we are looking for real peace on earth, we will not experience it until Jesus, the real Prince of Peace, rules over the nations. And while that time has not yet come, peace has not yet happened in many ways because we are looking for man to do what only God can do. Unfortunately, it seems like there will always be this constant push for peace in our world, meaning that we can't have any outward conflict. There shouldn't be any wars that we all just need to get along together. And, and as that ends, it seems like the way that's moving is what, the wor what it seems that the Word of God is saying, that we are moving towards a one-world government. That while ironically, 
even this one world government that will finally bring peace and we'll all be at peace with one another. Although, ironically, it will bring about the true war to end all wars. The reality is that there are those who will justify any means to get the good goal of the so-called peace. Yet it will not lead to a true and lasting peace. This world peace, a time of no war that many are looking for today. That many are looking for today, in many ways could have said, was experienced in the days that first Christmas. I don't know if we thought through history and what was taking place at that time. And to me, it's a little more than ironic that at the time of Jesus' birth, Caesar Augustus had brought a period of Pax Romana. In other words, Roman peace. He had brought Roman peace to that part of the known world, as far as they knew all the world that they would known at that time for them that were there. And many would have seen Augustus, it would have called him the Roman Prince of Peace. Because there were no wars. Everyone was on the same page. Everyone was serving on the, under the one banner. Many saw this as the most amazing historic thing to ever happen. And yet that period of peace, prosperity, stability came only under the iron-handed rule of the Roman Empire that conquered and coerced the so-called peace. That took away freedom and oppressed people to give up their lives and become prisoners in their own lands, quickly silencing by death any who would take a stand. This was not a real peace, but a brutal stopping of outward wars, a false sense of security and safety, but not a true peace. But during that time, the real Prince of Peace was came into this world, Jesus but he came to bring a peace that is completely different from that. In fact, Jesus himself said that in John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Do I give? Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You see, there is a peace that the Prince of Peace has come. But it's not the peace that we're talking about. That the, that the world is trying to look for or push towards even. The peace that we desperately long for and that we need is not going to come through politics. It's not going to come through science. It has only come through Jesus. And ultimately, peace on earth, ending the fighting with one another, is not going to happen until we decide to stop fighting with God. And we give up absolute, unconditional surrender to the Prince of Peace. For this, Jesus who came to earth that first Christmas will come back again. The second time and establish his kingdom and ultimately a new heaven and a new earth. And there will be peace. But there will be no international peace until the Prince of Peace comes to rule on this earth. And yet, here's the good news for us as people of God. We can help to bring this about. You see, in the same section that I read just a few minutes ago about the rumors of war and wars of that in Matthew chapter 24, just right there in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, Jesus says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. We have a role in this. We're talking about the end. We're talking about the Prince of Peace, the real Prince of Peace coming and ruling and having a real peace upon this earth. And that time that's coming... Part of that 
is our responsibility to be a testimony to the nations, to bring the Prince of Peace to this world so that he will come. Now, international peace, maybe that's not something that we're as concerned with because we just got our own life and things going on about interpersonal peace. In fact, interpersonal peace, the second point this morning, interpersonal peace can be brought to those the Prince of Peace rules over. There are those, at least, who have a vague idea about Jesus' teaching out, out there. And they expect that Christians should be leading the way of peace among others. In fact, they're expecting so much so that the world is often pointing to the church and saying, you're the ones causing the problems, not the solution. I mean, Jesus, didn't he say, but I say to you, uh, who here love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who abuse you. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. Oh, where's that? Where is that love? And let's be honest, at times we failed. As believers, as a church, we have failed to speak and live the truth in love. We have not come off as people of peace. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. We have not done that. In fact, we've even failed to bring peace among ourselves. You know, it's a little hard to grasp how we're going to help bring the Prince of Peace to rule the world when we will not let the Prince of Peace come into the church and rule in our relationships. I don't just mean church, but I mean his people. We're not letting the Prince of Peace rule over our relationships with others. How are we thinking that we're going to help the world to see the Prince of Peace? Even we would admit there's a desire to have peace in our own little world, especially at this time of year. People say, you know, can't we just be nice to one another and get along at Christmas? I mean, just, just, just for Christmas. Let's just, can we just get along? You know, and the reality is we can't even be at peace with our own family for long. At best, we get a temporary ceasefire while hostilities still remain in our hearts. How can we think that we will ever have international peace when we cannot even have interpersonal peace? This is something, not something that's impossible. This interpersonal peace is not something that's possible until some later day. We're saying that Jesus is going to come, Prince of Peace is going to come, and there will be peace on earth. But you know what? There can be peace in our relationships. It's something that, especially among us, among his people, those who his favor rests, it should happen. Romans twelve eighteen says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. God's telling us that we need to be living at peace. In fact, that's not the only place. There are other places like Hebrews 12, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Romans 12, live in harmony with one another. 1 Thessalonians 5, be at peace among yourselves. Romans 14, 19, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual evocation. And I could go on. I won't on that part. I will go on though. Uh, you know, this, this just says it again and again. That this is what we are to be doing and God doesn't tell us to do something that we cannot do. That he does not empower us to do. 
we have a responsibility to pursue peace with others. And while that may not always come about in our relationships, it would be because it, there are some things that do not fully depend upon us. Are we really surrendering all to the Prince of Peace as it deals with our relationships? There will be no peace in our relationships when we still hold on to unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment. There will be no peace when we selfishly insist on our way instead of looking to the interests of others. There will be no peace if we do not obey the Scripture's command to do everything that we can to pursue peace, but instead we just walk away from relationships or stay away from them. There will be no interpersonal peace until the Prince of Peace rules in our relationships with one another. And we should not think that somehow... We have made peace with God if we have not made peace with the people we are at odds with. Now, someone who is not, not a believer would hear this and say, see, if all Christians, if all Christians even, just on all, all sides, if they would just do what they're supposed to do, there'd at least be some start to peace in this world. Well, you kind of know where they're going with it, right? And this, this whole, there shouldn't be any problems with Christians. It's not just with Christians between Christians, but I mean, if Christians are really living this, then they should be able to get along with everyone. Not just other believers, but they should get along with others. Christians should be doing whatever it takes to just be at peace. Christians just need to, to, to figure out what they need to do because they're the ones that are supposed to do it. They're the that has to, well, that sounds nice, but is that the whole truth? I mean, we're talking about this, you know, we point back to it, it's the peace on earth, goodwill to men. We point back to it, it's a, it's a peace of Christmas. But Jesus said some other things like this. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to this earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, a daughter-in-law against a mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. People are like, what? What? It's a shocking, get your attention over the top. I can't believe he just said that kind of statement. Including at the beginning saying, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. A sword, now that's not a literal sword. Because when you look at what Jesus said to Peter when uh, Jesus was being betrayed, in Matthew chapter 26, Peter Put your sword back in its place. Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. In fact, just a little bit later when he was before, when Jesus was before Pilate in John 18, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest. So it's not about a literal sword, but as we read in the immediate context, Jesus is trying to make a strong contrasting point that his followers 
that his followers and those who are not are different. That there is a radical choice that calls us out to be different, to be holy unto the Lord. It is a call to be separate. And our call to come out and be separate, as 2 Corinthians says, is a call that eventually will separate us from others. It will. And the reality is that those who will reject and hate us will not be because of who we are. At least it shouldn't be. I mean, uh, there's some Christians that talk about that and, and they're just obnoxious, disagreeable, mean-spirited people. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just unbelievers who have a problem with you, buddy. But the real reality is that it's not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. Jesus very clearly tells us, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. We already have brothers and sisters in Christ who are experiencing this reality today. The persecuted church across this world is concerned about the American church not being ready for what God has already promised is coming. You know what I'm talking about, what we've been talking about, and what Paul says in 2 Timothy 3. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So there will be times when Christians who are pursuing peace with others will end up being at odds with them, not because of anything that we are trying to do to make that happen, but rather because we are seeking a greater priority of pursuing the Prince of Peace and following His rule in our lives. That will just divide us. And so there is a sense that we are to pursue interpersonal peace. But there will be times where that cannot happen. The reality is we say, you know what, international, interpersonal, I got problems just with inner peace right here, especially during all of this time that's going on. In fact, that leads us to the last point. Inner peace has been brought to those who let the Prince of Peace rule. You know, all this talk so far, and we're talking, it makes us think, can we really experience peace right now? Or is that just something later? Because we don't struggle with those other kind of pieces. It's, we struggle with peace within ourselves. We think of the song Silent Night. And, oh, my life is not silent. It, all is not calm. All is not bright in my life. And the reality is at this time of year, we have an even greater anxiety and depression hit. And for some people, it's just because we're expected. I mean, you've got this greater anxiety, depression, and you're not feeling peaceful, and yet you're supposed to. You're supposed to have joy. You're supposed to have love. And that just puts even more pressure on us. As we saw earlier in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, the pronouncement of peace was upon God's people who called upon His name, who are under His favor. Why does it seem that we have problems? And problems with peace. In part because we've missed... Just as it, I hope you kind of see the progression in each of these points is that we are missing the true biblical peace that is talked about. 
You know, peace is not the absence of problems. Even when Jesus told us he would give us peace, what did he say? John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble or tribulation, depending on the version. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You see in Jesus' words here that you, we will have problems, but at the same time, we can have peace. Both at the same time. It's not about Jesus taking away. Rather, it's about what he gives us in the midst of the storms of life, that there is a place of peace in the middle of the eye of the hurricane. For peace doesn't come from the absence of problems. Peace comes from the presence of God. Do we grasp that? Those living with the peace of God do not have to be overwhelmed with worry or fear, especially with what's being the, the, the kind of stuff that's being fed from all sides right now to us. It's like this is the end. It's the end for everyone, whether it's from disease or from government. Does that mean that these things aren't a threat? Don't misunderstand. I'm not Jeremiah 6 you. You know, it's uh, where the, uh, you may, maybe that's not something you've heard, you know, where you dress the wounds of the people and say it's not serious, where you say peace, peace, when there really is no peace. Rather, I'm looking above this earth and saying there is a peace bigger and more powerful than what's going on in your life, than what's going on in our nation, than what's going on in our world. There is a peace that is not from this world. But in heaven right now, where God is not pacing around, wringing his hands and saying, oh my, what am I going to do now, especially in the U.S. there? Nor is God washing his hands and saying, I got nothing to do, I want nothing to do with you guys. The reality is God is holding us in the palm of his hand. Sovereign over everything. A father who loves us with uh, with an everlasting love And a God who is still seated upon the throne. Whatever reality is happening in your life, whatever reality we see going on around us, there is a greater reality. Because there is a greater God who is stronger and bigger than any of this. We can have peace now as those who are under his favor. We can have inner peace no matter what's happening in our outer world. As Roman 8 tells us, there is, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He's got this. He's got you. He's got me. But it is not until we truly surrender to the Prince of Peace and His rule in our life that we will experience that. Even in the face of death. Even in the face of death of those who know Jesus, their Savior. This life is our temporary home. 
death is not the end. At best, it's a comma, a pause as you enter the forever life with Jesus where there is no more crying, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death. An eternal peace, joy, and love past this short little life. Until that day, Philippians chapter 4 and so many other places talk about a peace that passes understanding that goes beyond our comprehension, that we can have a peace in the midst of our problems as we surrender. That is the good news. That is the good news. That we can have peace in the midst of our problems when we surrender to Him. Just like the last stanza of I heard the bells on Christmas Day, I I stopped where it was like, oh, this is bad. But there's one more verse to that. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Are we allowing the restless rumblings of the world and everything all around us to drown out the sounds of the bells, so to speak, from heaven, hearing the ringing of the good news, the reality of the peace of God that can be ours, that we can experience not someday, but today? When we allow the Prince of Peace to rule and reign, not just in our lives, but over our lives, over everything that's going on, we cannot experience this peace of God unless we also have peace with God today. If you don't know that, that you would seek that. You talked to one of us here at the church. I know that you can have that. Because the fact is, all of us at one time were at war with God. All of us were enemies. But Jesus made a way by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Ask the worship team to come. Jesus ultimately has come to bring peace on earth. That is not happening as long as he's not the prince of peace over the earth. Jesus has come to bring bring peace to our relationships. But that's not going to happen until we allow Jesus to be the prince of peace ruler over our relationships and in our life. In some ways we could say this. It's something you probably heard long ago. No God, no peace. No God, no peace. Father, I pray that you'd help us as we recognize the peace that you really did come to bring only through your rule as the Prince of Peace in our life. Father, we can have it today. Give it to us, Jesus, as we give to you everything. Help us to pursue it in our relationships not just give up and walk away but to do what you called us to do and Lord we look forward to that day that you will come again and you will reign upon this earth and there will be peace 